0: This is a little bit bigger than just Tinder. It was a little bit bigger than, um, you know, meeting and hanging out and having friends.
1: Welcome to the Paris of the Plains. From Kansas City, I'm your host, Matt Hodapp. Falling in love means having a great deal of trust in another person. A sense that your emotions are going to be safe and secure in their possession. Falling in love is like solving a mystery. Finding out who a person really is in the locked vaults of their personality. This is a story about discovering the person behind the Tinder profile. Beyond the Facebook page. This is Blair.
0: Um... All right, so I guess this all started in August of 2014. I needed to meet more people, and so I ended up going on Tinder. And I happened to come across this one guy that seemed really interesting. He had a bunch of pictures of him and his dog, and I have a dog, so instant connection there. And then um, looking through some of his other photos, he climbs, and he's really passionate about being outdoors. And there's something that's always driven me to um, be around those types of people because they're always um, they're always driven themselves. They're always passionate about what they do. And a couple weeks before he asked me to be his girlfriend, he had asked me uh, to meet for coffee. And we met for coffee. And over coffee, he said, "Let's just do it. I'm ready to jump in. If you're ready to jump in, I just I feel this weird natural connection that cannot be explained. And I just have to roll with it. And I have to remind myself that." you know, to take it slow, but I really want to just have this happen now. And he looked at me, and he's like, so are you going to jump in? Are you going to do this with me? And I said, at first it was kind of, I was hesitant at first, um, just because I've never had someone point blank ask me, are you willing to do this with me? Do you want this relationship? Putting all of my worries aside and just saying, you know, this is only feeling weird because it's different. This is something that I have always wanted. And now that it's in my face, I'm going to run from it. Like, that's stupid. So I said, sure, let's do it. Let's, you know, let's make sure that we make room for each other in our lives. And then down the line, maybe we can start dating in a couple of weeks or, you know, or maybe even now, I don't know. There was one day in particular that I remember we had set plans to meet up and just walk around my neighborhood. I lived in the River Market at the time. Uh, There's just, Delaware Street is probably the cutest street ever. I love it. And so I decided to take him down that street just because it meant so much to me. And sure enough, we come across a little thrift shop on the corner. And one of the things that we actually stopped to look at was just a pile of old pictures. Recently, I've been drawn to photography and I kind of, you know, had a passion for it at one point. So when I stopped to look at the things, um, the photographs, he had stopped too. And he said that his grandparents used to collect old photos and they actually took those photos and they um, kind of hung them around the house and things like that. Um, And so we kind of went back and forth discussing ideas of what we could do with these old photos you know we thought of like um, finding photos or postcards that had locations on them and then traveling to go to those places and you know take a a new picture and make stories for ourselves and so it was with that um, that outing that we kind of had a a moment where we kind of grew together or we had um, more reason for us to make future plans together and I think we both felt like that was a moment in time where we felt motivated and gosh I don't even know how to say it it just was a turning point in everything that we were doing together because he's not the first guy that I've said I love you to but he was the first guy that I actually felt it with like my whole being you know I with the other people it was kind of a mixture of infatuation and then also i felt like we were both trying to play roles with this one it just felt like it was effortless and things were falling into place naturally and um, i felt like i could withstand anything um that came our way because we were a team and that's how we talked we talked as if we could face the world together, and I've never experienced that with someone. But this was the one moment where we clearly stated, um, in more ways than one, that we wanted to build a house together, we wanted to travel together, we wanted to um, support each other's careers, and all within one conversation about old photographs, and family, and what it meant to us, and, um, (laughs) and... (laughs) <laughs> okay. Um all right. So at a certain point in our relationship it was fairly or fairly early in our relationship when um he had called me to tell me that his dad was going in for testing um and he would get test results back in about a week. And when I asked him about the test exactly what was it or you know how was it gonna affect his family, he didn't really have a lot of answers for me. He just kind of decided to keep it to himself. But a week later, he called me to tell me that his dad had cancer. And so um, we were going through all of the options and what his family was gonna face over the next couple of months. Um, we had this understanding where if either one of us was uncomfortable, all we had to do was say no, and then We would just remain friends or keep in contact um, or just end everything. And um, he started to kind of retract into himself and he started to put up a wall. It just became very difficult to talk about. And so within a short span of time, we had gone from acquaintances to really good friends to, you know, falling in love, and then now we've hit this area that was just unknown. I felt like I was floating. And it was around January 21st that we were supposed to meet and he ended up texting me, telling me you know, hey, I am so sorry but my dad is you know, a little um, distant and he's confused about who everyone is and they really need someone at the hospital right now. And it was around 8 o'clock you know, we had been texting all day, and at around 8 o'clock I had asked him, you know, is everything good? Are we still good to meet? And he just replies 10 minutes later, no, nothing's fine. And it wasn't until, like, two hours later that I got the words, Dad is going, and instantly, like, I fell apart. I'm sitting on this futon with my friends about to watch a movie, and the person I care about most right now is telling me that you know, the person that he has grown up to, you know, idolize is just falling away from him. So for the next two weeks, I get a total of two texts. The first one saying, I'm not going to handle this the best way, but I'm going to try. And the second text is on the latter part of those two weeks that I didn't hear from him. And it was just saying, you know, I'm not handling this the correct way. You don't deserve this. I'm so sorry. So he had told me um, that he was going to go to the Patagonia region, a trip that he had planned many months before, but he got in an accident and had to have surgery. And so he had not really had the opportunity to go. And upon hearing this, my first reaction was bullshit, straight up bullshit, because he had not been climbing in months. He had not been on, you know, he was not prepared to um, make this trip. And so I called him out on it and I said, what are you saying? Like, you you cannot do this this trip because you're not prepared. And he stopped me and he's like, Blair, like, seriously, this is what I'm trying to tell you. And this is why um, I was late today and I never showed up um, because I set my phone on airplane mode. So you couldn't contact me because I was having a breakdown. And he said... You know, Blair, um, at the end of the week, I was going to do a solo climb, and I was not going to come back alive. And it was at that point that he started to cry, and he broke down, and he said that, I'm going to call you back. And he just hung up. I was frantic, because... How do I get him back on the phone? How do I get him to cancel his trip? What can I do or say? So then I think he's closest to his sister. I'll call her. And the first question she asks me is, you know, like, what's going on? What's happening? And then when I tell her that, you know, your brother's, you know, threatening suicide by going on this grand trip and, you know, going on a solo climb and not coming back, what do I do? You know her next question was did you ever see the plane ticket and that's when I kind of sat back and I was like what who asked that what sister asked that to you know imply that their brother's lying like that's stupid that's overwhelmingly you know naive like we need to solve this issue at hand and it was at that point that I told her you know like a suicide threat is still a suicide threat Please reach out to him and make sure that he's okay. And she said, well, that's exactly what I did. When I first heard that you had called my restaurant, I had reached out to my father. I stopped her right then and there, and I said, wait, your father, you talked to him today? And she said, yeah, I, I told him about the call that I just got from you. And I had just stopped in my tracks. I don't really know, but I ended up telling her, you know, I'm so sorry for interrupting, but I've been under the influence that, or like I've thought that your dad was dead. And she said, oh, that's a new one. Um, And so I had, I was under, you know, I had assumed that he, um, he lived in Lawrence and that he had lost his dad to cancer. Those things are all false. He lives with his parents. I don't know exactly if he's working at this point, but one of the companies that he had stated he worked for is actually the company that his dad had worked for. And, um... Oh gosh, this is so weird. Um... Stop it for a second. And that's the last time I've ever heard from him. Um, it's weird knowing that I have answers to things that he doesn't know I have answers to. Like, I know more than he even knows that I know. <laughs> and yet, he's still not calling me. He's still not texting me. And that's so different from every other time that we've had an argument. It's with that silence that I know that he is ashamed of something, that he is hiding another life, and he doesn't want to face that yet. I definitely miss um, there are moments where I knew for certain that he was being truthful, that he was reacting. Um, to me in an honest way and you know he had written me a letter at one point telling me about you know how I have an effect on him and how capable I am of anything and how together we can really work towards a future when people ask me if I miss him or if I have a hard time with it you know on the surface I'm not really having that bad of a time with it I carry on I do everything normally but you know kind of just take him with me wherever I go because he gave me a lot of courage and he gave me a lot of my personality back you know I felt like I was in kind of a slump and in knowing him he kind of inspired a lot of things that I didn't really know existed inside me so I miss him
1: Thank you so much to Blair for sharing her story with us. You can always listen to this story again at parisoftheplains.squarespace.com. We are always looking for new narratives, so make sure you click your story tab to send us a narrative. Also, make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes. All our music is original and written by composer Jamie Searle from the band My Brothers and Sisters. Our digital and graphic work is done by Matthew Sullivan. I'm Matt Hodap. Thanks for listening.